family and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one, let's go. This is Tim and Friends for Monday, March 6th. I'm Tim McAuliffe, Jesse Rubinoff, as always, alongside. And we are coming in as ferocious as Chris Rock in the final minutes of Selective Outrage. Did you see that, Jesse Rubinoff? Over the Netflix tried to go live. They used Chris Rock to go live. Did you uh-huh. see it? I th- no. I saw the Twitter videos, but I, I actually didn't click on any of them <laughs> because I wanted to watch the You're whole over thing. 30, but you act like Gen Z. All I saw was the Twitter clips of it. I didn't actually watch the whole thing. No, I didn't watch the Twitter <laughs> clips because I want to watch is the whole Gen thing. Is that Gen Z? Is Gen Z the youngest gen now? Is it Gen Z I now? I, I don't even don't know what it is I think anymore. there's something younger than Gen Z now. Yeah. Millennials? You're no, not a millennial. No. Yes, I am. Are you a millennial? Oh, 100% I'm a millennial. Oh, 100%. How old are you? Old enough. You da- you won't even say your age. What? A- <laughs> <laughs> that is so amazing. This, you, uh, you, said, you said on Friday that you were, you were, you were going to tell everybody my You weren't going to tell everybody my age. And now all of a sudden you've turned after two days. You are you millennial. To- yeah, 81 firm- to 96. I'm yeah. firmly in the You're not category. firmly. What do you mean? 81, 96? I was born in... All right, I guess I'll say this. <laughs> Born in 88. Get out of here. What are 88? you? Are you a boomer? Uh, I'm close to a boomer. <laughs> you think that's an insult? Honestly, do you think that's an insult? Yeah. That is the greatest generation of this part of this world. I actually, you understand me, Jesse Rubinoff? I'm, I actually might agree with that. Yeah, you might agree with that. I mean, I did a lot of bad, bad things, too. Zoomers and boomers? Yeah. Some good things, too. You know. Uh, all let me, let me tell all you. in all, pretty good. Let me let me tell you something. All right, I know you're in the Twitter thing. All you're, generations you're, have done bad things. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of bad things that go on in the world. Out there, yeah. And a lot of bad people. That a lot of good out. people too. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. You're right. but there are there are times that are worse than others. Yes. I I completely not agree. So you did not see selective outrage. I you did not. Millennial slash Gen Zer <laughs> by the boomer. Is Chris Rock a boomer? Because uh, I'm I'm around Chris Rock's age. I don't think you're a. You don't think you're a boomer. Yeah, we're not boomers. What was, what's in between boomer and millennial? Gen X. Oh, yeah, you're Gen X. Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I should have known that. That's pathetic. Come on. Yeah, that's bad. You are Gen X, and Chris Rock is Gen X. So right. did he have a lot of Gen X jokes? <laughs> well, it was selective outrage. Right. So it Just was like, figure it out. It yeah. appealed to the Gen X crowd. <laughs> yeah, it appealed yeah. to the Gen X crowd that looks at the younger group and goes, right. like, what are we doing yeah, here? What enough. is this 2020-whatever year <laughs> that we're in right now? But let me just say something. Like, Will may have landed a slap, but Chris landed like a five-minute combination to end this. Like, it lasted longer than John Jones cementing his legacy as the GOAT. No. Well, that didn't last very long at all. No, that didn't last long at no, all. No, that was... Is he the GOAT? George St. Pierre, Canadian, John Jones, now GOAT, yeah. right? Yeah. It's, it's indisputable at this Comes point. back after three years. Oh. Looks like kind of like me. Just a shame. Too easy. And <laughs> <laughs> just walks good, in and dominates. Yeah, just yeah. too e- like just too easy. And frankly, a little bit boring for people that purchased on pay per view. <laughs> <laughs> All right, these are the kind of things that we will hammer at today, like Rock on Smith, like Daryl Sutter on the Flames. We hit with our words. Are the Leafs cursed? Yes. Is there more trouble in Tampa than Toronto? And can the Oilers play enough D to make the best player on planet Earth work? All this coming up 
along with an update on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. The Jays, a closer look at Cal Quantrill and Team Canada at the World Baseball Classic, plus the Raptors and the Nuggets, John Morant, Doncic versus Booker, and could the New York Knicks actually be real? Mm. Eric Smith, Arash Madani, Anthony Stewart all popping by in this two-hour extravaganza of Tim and Friends. I'm not letting the word go, even though the deadline is over. This will be a two-hour extravaganza, and it all starts with what everyone's talking about. Jesse, first things first, so let's start the show, Nick Foligno. First things first. first. Now I feel bad that I uh, claim that you were a boomer. Even if it was, oh, no, a you, even you, if it was a joke, no, you you're were not ri- even, you're not even close. You were ripping me. Yeah, you're not. Yeah, even you close were calling to, me boomer. You're actually really close to even being a millennial. So I should just shut up and move on. With first things first. I'm, I'm six years away from being a millennial. That's close. I'm kind of proud of those six years, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. All right, wisdom. In age youth we learn, wisdom. in age we understand. Yeah, there you Justin. go. There, yeah, there go. is some looking val- for a good quote. There is some value in older generations. This, the only society where we don't respect our elders enough and learn from their mistakes. Well, <laughs> some of the Leafs elders have some injuries. We've got to talk about it. It was a busy and eventful weekend in the National Hockey nice League. Nice segue. Uh, yes, the <laughs> Leafs lost to the Canucks, but lost that man, Ryan O'Reilly, to a broken finger. He'll be placed on long-term IR, and his timeline to return is uncertain right now, but head coach Sheldon Keefe is still optimistic about the situation. You get excited and you know what he can bring, so to, to lose him certainly uh, is tough and disappointing, but I mean, we, we've acquired him to be healthy, ready to go for the playoffs, and, and you know, that, that will be the case. So to that end, um, you know, uh, it's not bad uh, in terms of what the bigger picture is, and especially with the nature of the injury, he won't miss much time actually on the ice and skating and, and all of that. All right, impart some wisdom on me. How big of a loss will this be for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Well, I think it's important to note that the Leafs expect him back for the postseason and that um, that's the only ma- that's the only thing that matters for the Toronto Maple <laughs> Leafs right now is whether – but let's be honest here. Like, there were shades of Nick Foligno dancing through my mind when I saw Ryan O'Reilly get hit with a puck, and that is a big, splashy trade deadline pickup that mm-hmm. gets hurt for when it matters most. Now, again – Broken finger, it looks like he'll be back for when it matters most. But he wasn't the only one hurt in that game. Matthews was hurt. He did return. Mm-hmm. And listen, uh, I don't know if you saw it, but John Tavares got hit pretty hard in that game. And he was it. out with uh, an illness yeah. earlier today. Is that what they're calling what yeah. Tyler Myers did to John Tavares? I'll speculate, but yeah, I'll speculate a little bit. Like, uh, that's, a physical, <laughs> that's a physical collision. Yeah, that, that, no, that's a massive collision. Yeah. That is, all collisions are physical. That is a massive That collision. is true. Physical and collision are yeah. kind of redundant. And so, uh, listen, the Toronto Maple Leafs know who they're going to play, who they're going to play at the Tampa Bay Lightning. They have their own problems right now, which are pretty significant and very, very interesting. And the Leafs are in a spot where they're going to lose a couple guys. And when you look at what Tampa does at home, you probably want, home ice advantage for that matchup. But mm-hmm. 
I don't even know if the Sens are going to catch the Lightning at this point here, Jesse. Because the Lightning are going one way, the Sens are going the other way. Which order do you want to start? You want to start with the Lightning? Let's start with the Lightning because right. it, it works into the Leaf story uh, pretty well. So uh, this is a big story from over the weekend. Head coach John Cooper benching Steven Stamkos, Nikita Kucherov, and Braden Point for the entirety of the third period in Lightning's loss to the Sabres. Uh, what did you think of this decision? Because it is a bold move by Mr. John Cooper. Funny thing is, is that I thought his explanation after the game on Saturday was pretty good. For those who haven't heard that explanation, uh, here's John Cooper telling the world why three of the best players on planet Earth were sitting in a third period. 99.9% of the time, those guys give us the best chance to win when they're on the ice. Just felt in the third period and, uh, they weren't giving us the best chance to win. And you know this this team's been unbelievable for a decade. And and you, know, you take the three finals. Well, there's a reason a lot of that's happened. And we have a set of standards here that everybody adheres to. And it's not pick and choose. It's everybody. And so um, it's uh, it's how it was for today. So when I heard that, Jesse, and maybe you can correct me if I'm going a little bit too far here, I immediately thought of the juxtaposition, the contrast between what was happening in Tampa on that night and what happened with the Toronto Maple Leafs in the last, I don't know, decade. Like, since Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Nylander, the core four came along for the Toronto Maple Leafs, you rarely see any of those guys punished for poor play, even though that team is 5-5-2 and two against the worst teams in the National Hockey League. The mm-hmm. Leafs can play bad, and their top guns don't really see anything like this. And I'm thinking in my head, man, this takes guts from John Cooper, but I love the explanation that we just heard, and then I watched them on Sunday. And confusing. they go up against the Carolina Hurricanes, and for those who didn't see that, they were outshot 12-4 in the first period and then did not get one single shot on goal in the second period. The four shots through 40 minutes of play was the lowest of any hockey team in the NHL this season. This is four shots, two periods, zero in the second. Was that an answer from Tampa to what John Cooper did and said on Saturday night, or am I going crazy? I mean, I would be shocked because for all of the success that these guys have accomplished over the last decade, you think that they would have enough pride that even if it is a John Cooper issue, that they would pull it together and pull out the results for each other. Um, But it is shocking, and you wonder whether they're running out of gas or they're becoming complacent. Like, those are the two things that I'm trying to decipher where well, they are. Well, Elliot Friedman on 32 Thoughts was discussing this with Jeff Merrick, and he said that he's received calls that Tampa is tired. Yeah. Like, just the team is tired. And John Cooper tried to challenge them on Saturday night with something, and that takes a lot of guts. It takes the kind of guts of a guy who knows his job is safe, knows his legacy is safe. And I don't know that you'd see that from a lot of coaches in the National Hockey League, never mind the Toronto Maple Leafs, never mind the contrast between the two teams that are about to play each other. They just look tired. And the problem is with that team, the problem is with the Leafs, is they're good enough to get by. So I don't know where it ends up. They could be fresh 
I mean, listen, you and I had this long, drawn-out debate with hardcore hockey fans on whether or not we were about to see load management in the National Hockey League. Mm -hmm. And hockey fans were adamant that that's not coming to our league. But it's kind of sort of becoming pretty visible that a bunch of teams already know who they're going to play or that they're safe in the postseason, and they might be smart to not get a Ryan O'Reilly broken finger, right? Yeah. To not get John Tavares concussed and or under the weather. It's so funny you say that because the, I wasn't watching the Lightning game when they were benched, and when I first heard that they didn't play the third period, I thought it was a load management. Like, on my first glance at seeing the story, I was like, Maybe they're just resting. Smart load management. Yeah, maybe it's just (laughs) hockey's version of load management. They're just not going to play the third period, and that's that. Ultimately, it was more for uh, the way that they were playing. But, um, yeah, I mean, you're going to have to try and and figure out a way around this for Tampa because you don't want to – they might be getting complacent, but you don't want to be the one who goes up against them in the playoffs and you're complacent because they're complacent because they can get hot immediately. They've been there before, and I would not ever expect anyone to take them. Well, if they play the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Toronto Maple Leafs think that the Tampa Bay (laughs) Lightning are going to be complacent, we should just break up the Leafs right now. Best of luck. Yeah, Yeah, you should just fire everybody and figure it out the next time. Uh, The one part of this that I think is, is even bigger than whether or not these guys are rebelling against John Cooper, whether or not John Cooper could respond with a little bit of load management because they're actually just really tired, mm-hmm. was the Victor Hedman injury. Yeah, well, he, he had, tried yeah. to keep going, but it appears as though that could be a significant injury, sliding into the boards, hurting his back, and not being able to continue. I actually just got an update on that from uh, Kevin Weeks. Um, Victor Hedman's evaluated today, and as of now, they don't expect him to miss any extended time, which is, I think to your point, um, the bigger story than the game almost. They need him more than anybody. So Yeah, he is as valuable as anyone on that team, if not maybe Vasilevsky's more yeah, valuable. Yeah. But there is a key word in there, right? Like extended time? Extended time, yeah. Yeah, like that's... That could mean anything. <laughs> anything... Kind of sort of interesting. Yeah, less than maybe. Who, okay, I'm... so who would you rather be right now, the Toronto Maple Leafs or the Tampa Bay Lightning? In what way? Just what team would you rather be backing? What team, if I forced you to put money on one of Toronto or Tampa, Uh, who would you put it on right now? Leafs are coming off like, listen, this was my big problem with the boner after the Buffalo win. Mm -hmm. It came right after a Chicago loss. Then you go into Vancouver, and listen, they played really well in the first period against Vancouver. Vancouver beat them. They beat them because the Leafs sometimes take their foot off the gas. I I don't know what the Leafs truly are. I thought Matt Murray played really well in his return. Mm -hmm. And there's some, some, I don't know, trepidation about the Leafs' goaltending that maybe, maybe was uh, offset by the way Murray played in that game. But, like, who, who would you back? And I think that's the big question that a lot of fans in this country that, wear a maple leaf on their chest, they're asking themselves. Yeah, well, I I think we... Did I stall enough time for you to come up with an answer on a tough question? Yeah, well, we jump all over the Canadian teams when, you know, over the course of the season, there's a lot of highs and there's a lot of lows, and you you don't like... I hate when you say we. No, no, Who's we? Who's we? No, but we try and evaluate their performance over time. No, I'm not, it's not a day-to-day thing, but over time, obviously the Oilers have defensive issues and the right. Jets have gone through certain trends right. over their season. So it, we evaluate their performance. And I think we also have to do the same for the Lightning. And the Lightning are in a really bad place right now. Loses a four in a row in seven of nine. 
and they look like they're not, running. I, that's obvious. That's not the question I'm asking. They look. Know. They look like they have effectively run out of gas, and I think, I think it'll be a toss-up no matter what. But I think. Yeah, but is is 20 games it, enough is the time to refuel the tank? If there's load management involved, maybe. I, I, I think I think it is. I think 20 games is enough for them to refuel the tank, and I think it'll be a really good matchup between the Leafs and the Lightning. It would be a, it would be a toss-up. Money, you Leafs, Tampa. I just said it would be 50-50. So I said that first. <laughs> and you asked me to give an answer. Okay, let's go to the uh, Senators because the Sens are rolling. They beat the Blue Jackets 5-2 on Saturday and are 12-3-1 in I their last you, 16 I love games. how you ask me questions every day. And first things first, I ask you one question and you're, <laughs> you're upset the you're Leafs. put off by no, it. No, the Leafs. I, I said the Leafs. Uh, can the Senators make the playoffs? Probably not, but I'm in for it. If you're the Leafs, would you rather play the Sens or the Lightning? Uh, don't start this. <laughs> that was I heard, a joke. I, that was a joke. I heard someone say this, and then I also heard Who? I would rather face the Tampa Bay Lightning than the upstart names? Ottawa. Names? And I, no, I'm not naming any names here. And I was just like, are you kidding me? I love the Sens story. And listen, 12-3-1 <laughs> in their last 16 games. I don't know if you know this, Jesse, but the Boston Bruins over their last 16 games, guess what they are? Go for it. 12, 3, and 1. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's, it is, there's still three back of the Penguins for the second wild card spot. Listen, Sabres, Panthers, Capitals, all in the mix. If you were to put odds on it, if we went to Poth, we know that the Ottawa Senators would be on the outside looking in. But I absolutely love the story. Amazing. On the weekend, you keep it going. Jacob Chikrin comes into town. Jacob Chikrin sets up a goal. Jacob Chikrin scores a goal. Jacob Chikrin's grandfather is smashing Timmy's <laughs> in the 18th row because he's watching his his grandson play hockey and score goals. To me, like if Pierre Dorian was trying to accomplish anything at the deadline, yeah. like mission accomplished. There's hope in Ottawa. And when I sat here absolutely mystified and you said why don't they go after chicken and i just said get anybody this is exactly what i was talking about and why i wanted them to do it what you ended up with was awesome and what we ended up with in a story with jacob chicken and his grandpa and kyle bukoskis mm-hmm. was pretty damn good too here's the video evidence of that you're saying before the game, your grandpa John came in here this morning like he owned the place. We've got a great reaction to when uh, you scored here tonight. Uh, up in the crowd, amongst the masses. Let's roll this here if we can, gentlemen. Here he is. He's crushing Tim's. What do you think watching this? <laughs> oh, man. You guys are going to make me tear up. Um, that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Amazing. That is pretty cool. And trying to get the crowd going, too, and Ottawa is quickly becoming a fan favorite. Yeah, Jacob without Trippin. a doubt. And, and do you think they can make the playoffs? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, definitely. Yeah? Yeah, they're, they're on an absolute heater. And it's, you know what it, it, uh, analogy that I, I think of or a comparison? It feels like they're playing meaningful September baseball right now because they're grinding and they're trying to find a way to get in. And even if they don't make it, this is valuable a success experience. because yeah. it's valuable experience. Yeah, that's that's where I would agree. I don't want yeah. I don't want to say that they'll make the playoffs for people to be pissed off in Ottawa when they don't mm-hmm. because we know it was a massive hill to climb and you should should still be 
um, satisfied or inspired totally. by what you saw. Tough schedule to close too, out after this year. week, so it'll be a challenge, but it's fun. Right. By the way, it was Pride Night in Ottawa, and because we didn't have any dissenters, nobody said much. Like we have this terrible tendency in 2023 to focus on the one instead of everyone else. And most self-help folks will tell you focusing equals feeling. You know what I'm saying here, Jesse? Like what we feel is a result of what we focus on. So why do we always focus on the negative? Yeah, yeah, there was no international story. There was no Fox News, no CNN, no rants from people who will tell you everything that's wrong in the world and offer absolutely no solutions. It just happened. The big, tough head coach of the Ottawa Senators who fought his way into the NHL, wore a pride hat, talking to the media. That tough guy told everyone who would listen that they belong in that building and with that team. The start of the game, Jacob Chickren, you saw he had pride tape on his stick. I'm not trying to be political or whatever the buzzword is that gets things to go viral. If you watch this show, you know where I stand. No signaling, no attempt to go viral. Just be a good human being and equality. All I'm trying to say is that we need to focus more on those who do way more often than we focus on those who don't. And I'm getting tired of focusing on those who don't. Spread the good more than the bad. That's, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. And, and I hate, I hate that when someone does one thing, one person does one thing, it's a huge story. Mm-hmm. When a bunch of people do the exact same thing that everyone was screaming about, no one says nothing. Well, we'll see what we can do to change it. Play a small, small part in that, hopefully. Um, let's turn our attention to the Western teams of the National Hockey League. I love, I love how idealistic you are. <laughs> Why not? The Oilers and Jets splitting a pair of games on Friday and Saturday. Edmonton scoring six goals in their win on Friday. Then Winnipeg scoring seven in their win on Saturday. Meanwhile, the Flames losing three zip to the Wild on Saturday and have now lost five in a row. Timmy, which of those teams are you most concerned about? Or all of them? The Flames is the correct answer, right? Like, I, I, don't, I don't love seeing the Oilers give up seven. Uh, Jack Campbell struggling again and looking defeated more than just the struggling. The looking defeated uh, makes me feel for not only Jack Campbell, but the Edmonton Oilers who feel like if they get some goaltending, they might be really, really good here. Um, the Flames feel like the Jets were after losing... 4 nothing to the Islanders yeah. at home, but now the Jets are going on that upward trajectory and seem confusing. like they've got a def- yeah. decent matchup. No, it's not confusing. It's just the way it goes. It is a roller coaster, and if you always take the outside look in, you're probably going to get a better view. But right now, when you hear what Daryl Sutter is saying about his team, you really wonder where the Flames are. You heard the fans booing at the end. Do you blame them? Well, when you lose, I'd boo too. Right? I mean, I don't think they're booing the team. Who are they booing? As I said, our top players got to be better players. That's for sure. And Tyler Toffoli had an interesting comment, too, about, like, either you give the effort or you don't play. And I don't know if he was just trying to back his coach or if he was trying to get through to certain players, but... There were some interesting comments throughout that team after that loss this weekend. It's going to be real interesting to see how they react tonight. Feels like it's snowballing out of control a little bit. Plenty more hockey coming up in the show. Anthony Stewart's going to join us, and we'll talk NHL. But for now, we go to baseball here on First Things First, and the Toronto Blue Jays winning both their Grapefruit League games over the weekend, scoring a combined 34 runs against the Tigers. And Phillies, of course, 
All of that overshadowed by Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s knee injury, Vladdy pulling out of the World Baseball Classic, but says the injury is only minor. Tim, are you worried at all about Vladdy's situation? Uh, I was worried when we saw it on Friday. I'm still worried until he shows that he is really? completely and utterly okay. I think it's good news that he's probably uh, said no, not probably, he has said no to the Dominican Republic at the World Baseball Classic, but if it was all good, he would be going to the World Baseball Classic because that means a lot to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Like, I don't know if you've seen the tweets. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen. He's been a poster boy for the World Baseball Classic and the Dominican Republic. So if it was all good, then he would be playing for the Dominican Republic because that means a lot to him. So until you see him at 100%, like I, I was thinking, as I told you earlier, that this is going to be an absolutely massive year mm-hmm. for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I felt like, given this lineup and if the Jays get off to a good start, maybe a little alleviated pressure not having to carry the entire team like yeah. he felt like he had to do last year, this just adds a little bit of a wrinkle. And I'm going to be honest, uh, every once in a while when the Jays tell me injury information, I just have a little, little birdie in the back of my head saying, yeah. Yeah, just maybe wait on that one. It is important to note, I think, that the MRI revealed no structural damage. Um, and he has proven to be pretty durable over the course of his three seasons in baseball so far, in Major League Baseball. So I would agree we'll with see. all of those statements. I know. And yet I'm yeah, s- still going to wait. <laughs> I got it. See. Yeah. Uh, all right, listen, we've got a lot more hockey coming up. We've got a lot more basketball coming up. Rash Madani is going to come in studio. Uh, Derek Carr to the Saints. Jesse Rubinoff. Arash also caught up with Cal Quantrill of Canada. See that five times fast. Ahead of the WBC, Anthony Stewart on a busy weekend in the National Hockey League. Five Canadian teams on the ice tonight. Five games in the Sportsnet family of channels. Plus, after the break, we will talk basketball. So much old grain goodness. Eric Smith, Raptors, go west, young man. They take on Denver tonight. Tim and friends on a Monday. Let's go. Durant driving on Hardaway, pull-up jumper, Durant got it, and Phoenix has a two-point lead, 35 for Durant. Here's Luka Doncic driving, spinning on a Kogi, getting deep, creating space, missed the shot, Durant gets the rebound, Devin Booker and Doncic go face-to-face. 2023 is off and running, and the world champion picking up where he left off in Abu Dhabi, Max Verstappen wins the Bahrain Grand Prix. I still can't believe what I saw. He just went in there and literally made it look like nothing. Like it was the easiest thing in the world for him to do. He's a total freak of nature and he's the best ever. This is a must-win situation for the Raptors. Fred, the corner three. Got it. Bucket and book it in the corner. Fred, yes, he did. His second three here in OT from the same spot. Pascal makes a move, and that's going to do it. Bust the foul. This is a huge W. Raptors split this two-game set. Nice bounce back win for the Raptors on Saturday, setting up a game against the Nuggets, Clippers, and Lakers out west. It's an interesting week. West leading Nuggets won three straight, have a comfortable six and a half game lead atop that conference. Let's take a look at the odds powered by Bet Rivers. Denver favored by six and a half, while the Raptors are plus 205 
on the money line. Here to discuss the Raptors and their West Coast swing is the man who will be calling that Raptors Nuggets game on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. It is Eric Smith. Smitty, welcome back to Tim and Friends. You good, man? My dude. I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Jesse's in the building, taking heat for saying that John Jones is the GOAT. I get it. PEDs, some things off the, the, uh, off the mat. I was going to say off the field. Off, but yeah. off Out of the, the octagon. <laughs> Out of the octagon that may have something. And there's a George St. Pierre love in this country. Right? Yeah, that, yeah, that factors in. I'm sure. I, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Smitty, what do you make of the two in Washington? Because I came out of it kind of sort of scratching my big, fall, bald, fat head. Careful. Yeah, I've got to be um, <laughs> I was, I was I was hoping you were going with just yeah, but yeah. we'll just leave it at that. Uh, this is what I think of it: winning two straight in somebody else's joint is always difficult. So, at the risk of sounding like I'm letting the team off the hook, I'm kind of letting the team off the hook a little bit in the sense that I'm not surprised by the split. And when I look at last week overall, Timmy, I think that the Raptors did their job. They took care of business at home against Chicago, which they had to do. And then they went to Washington and got, at the very least, a split. And that's what they walked out with. So, um, and, and, and I think they did it in a tougher fashion. They didn't roll the momentum from that win over Chicago and roll the momentum of how well they've been playing. They went and got beat down and beat down pretty good in that first game and showed resiliency in coming back to get that second game and, and kind of stop the Wizards from maybe having a little momentum, feeling good about themselves winning that first game, thinking that maybe they had the Raptors number thinking, hey, it's our building, we can win two straight. So to bounce back in that second one, I think, showed me something. And even the way they did it as well, yes, they coughed up another lead late, but to come back and then take it in overtime, I give the team credit to, to walk away two and one. Um, I think that's kind of how I felt it would probably go down. And now it's a matter of, is there some way, shape, or form that you can go two and one again this week? Can you steal one of the Clippers or the Nuggets and then get that one against L.A., knowing that L.A., the Lakers, that is, has been playing better, but they're playing without LeBron James. That, to me, is one that you've got circled as that should be a win for you. So if you can go 2-1 and one again, you're setting yourself up pretty good for the final you know, 14, 15 games of the season. I, I would agree with you. I think that should be the goal for the Raptors going into this week and, and their fans. But my fear is that if Kyle Kuzma makes you eat it, like, can you do what's made you successful in this short spurt against the good teams like, say, a Denver? It's going to be tough because yeah. um, your point is very valid. Now, that said, he was also – and give the guy credit. Uh, he's also taking advantage of a defense that has been better of late but not very good cumulatively over the course of the season. Uh, but I also think he was in one of those zones where how many often – how often or how many times are you going to see Kyle Kuzma start a game four, four, five of five and just be hitting everything under the sun right. and have the type of performance he did? I mean, he is averaging over 21 a game this year. He's been playing well. But I think he was at another level when we look back to that first game against the Wizards late last week. But that's kind of the way it's been, like I say, Timmy, at stretches this season. And for a lot of stretches, the Raptors have not been strong defensively, but they've been beating teams by turning them over more, getting up more shots, uh, and, and points per possession uh, kind of favoring Toronto in that sense because they're getting more possessions because of the fact that they're forcing more turnovers. Uh, and in spite of their lack of three-point shooting, in spite of lofty numbers that the opposing team is shooting from time to time, they're still able to overcome that and, and, and earn victories more often than not. When we look back to the last month, last six weeks almost, we're talking about, Timmy, a team now that, now you, I mean, you're looking at the, the strength of schedule right now on the screen. I can see that as well. But I don't know if you've got the stat as well. Raptors have the fifth best record in the entire league 
since January 22nd. Let's talk in six weeks now that this has been right. a top five team in spite of the fact that defense really hasn't turned a major corner. So uh, a long-winded way of saying, yeah, I think they can overcome things like the Kuzma performance because they've been doing so for a month and a half. Okay, so that next step is kind of what we're all waiting to see if it's there. And I think we can all agree that the strength of schedule during those six weeks wasn't the greatest, but they took care of what was in front of them. That has them top five. And I think Jakob Pertl has brought some much-needed pieces to the equation, rim protection, all that stuff, rim running, setting good screens. But does it not feel like Fred shooting might be the most important indicator of the difference between good and great for this team? It very well could be. Yeah. I mean, to me, he's still the best three-point shooter on this team. Um, no matter what the numbers say, he's the one that when the shot goes up, I don't know about you, I'm expecting it to go in more often than not, even though it hasn't been this season. And I can't say the same thing about Siakam's three ball or about OG Ananobi or even about Gary Trent, who I think has been pretty damn efficient this year. But Freddie, if you think back, and I know you're showing the highlights right now, think back to that game on the weekend. How did overtime start? Two three balls by Fred missed, and, and I'm sure a lot of people were doing this and pulling what little of the hair they had left on their heads out. And then what did he do right after that? Hit the next two, arguably the two biggest shots of the game that ultimately yeah. secured that victory in overtime for the Raptors. I think this team, yes, indeed, will ultimately go how Fred goes. And um, I say this somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but the man did just have a kid, and we all know that, you know, dad Fred... <laughs> seems to get this jolt of adrenaline or something. If we think back to the championship season and even beyond, there's something about Freddie when he when he has a kid, it gives him that extra little jolt or something. Maybe he goes on five-hour energy and no sleep or something. So hopefully that's a good sign for the Raptors in the stretch drive here. Um, but listen, he's still the guy that is the engine for this team in so many facets, so many ways, shapes, and form. And I'll tell you the other thing too, not just his shooting, his defense. Because he's been, you know, dogged at times this season, and understandably so, because the team, again, I don't mean to harp on it, has not been a great defensive team. Think about what he did the other night, though, against Bradley Beal. And Fred's been hearing it. He's been hearing the cat calls for his defense. And I think he was pretty damn good against one of the best in the league in Beal just a couple of nights ago. All right, about uh, two and a half minutes left here. I want to get in one on Jamal Murray and one on Nikola Jokic as they play the Nuggets tonight. I remember trying to make the case that Jamal Murray was the best Canadian in the NBA. Most people were saying Andrew Wiggins, and he was for a bit in my mind. Now I think it's SGA. But is Jamal now rounding back into form? Uh, I think he is because he's finally healthy, right? And and he's been healthy for a long stretch. And I think that he's flying under the radar, even on, you know, Canadians fans and Canadian NBA, um, um, you know, followers. He's flying under their radar because of, yeah, well, Twitter, yeah, because of Jokic. You know, you think about the Denver Nuggets and it's the two-time MVP who might be a three-time MVP and a 45-19 and record, et cetera, et cetera. But you forget about the fact that, oh, yeah, by the way, there's this dude at the point who's averaging over 25 a game who's a pretty damn good three-point shooter and a high-octane offensive player as well, and he just has become sort of an afterthought. I think if he was putting up those numbers without a Jokic, he'd be being talked about even more. Uh, and so, I, I, you know, I, I'd have him number two on that list just behind SGA. And why is SGA getting the love? Well, okay, he's putting up some great numbers. He's a fabulous scorer. He's a dynamic player. But he's doing it on a team that doesn't have the talent that Denver does, that isn't anywhere near the record that the Nuggets have. So Jamal Murray absolutely deserves the the flowers he's getting right now and probably should be getting even more. 
All right, so I think you may have answered this. Is, is Jokic your MVP? Uh, Giannis is just climbing back into that conversation pretty strong for me. I, you know, part of what makes Milwaukee so good is that they haven't played Giannis as many minutes, and I don't think that should uh, hold him back from MVP. I think it's a great battle. I think it's a great battle, and, and this is the tough thing, and we had this conversation, and I don't mean to throw in the cheap plug here, but on, when I was talking to Jones the other day on our, on our most recent podcast, Smith & Jones, we were saying that there's only three guys in history that have won the MVP three straight times, Will Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and uh, Larry Bird. They all have rings, and they all have multiple rings. Jokic doesn't have one yet. So if you're a voter, are you voting with history in mind? Or are you voting simply on present day? Because hmm. present day would say this is the year that he deserves the MVP even more than the last two years. But when you look at what Giannis is doing, the East is as competitive, if not more competitive, than the Western Conference. And Giannis has had to play stretches this year, long stretches, without his all-star yeah. running mate and, 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 and right-hand man, his, his Robin to his Batman, in Chris Middleton. So the job that Giannis has had to do has been as difficult. If I was to say right now, I might actually lean more towards Giannis mm. because Giannis plays more so on both ends of the floor. And I know Jonesy is loving hearing this if he's watching because <laughs> Jokic, as great as he is, I'm not sure if Jokic could guard you. I could, yeah. Let's be honest. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah, he could. He could. Uh, Smitty, I always I've love when you come. That's a big dude, man. That is a big dude. I always love talking basketball with you. Thanks for dropping by and doing this. Anytime. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Eric Smith, who will have to call on Sportsnet 590 fan tonight. I love the sigh. The sigh before your answer. Uh, they took away Giannis' rebound, by the way. You know, he, he yeah. put up a shot on his own rim. just Plays to get, of the week. Yeah, exactly. Coming up. Okay, yeah, then I'll, I'll be covered. quiet then. Let it be known that we are <laughs> celebrating International <laughs> Women's Day all week here on Tim and Friends. And we kick things off on this Monday with Canadian artist Mallory Tolker, who insp draws inspiration from basketball culture, fashion, and a vision of what ball could look like. Mm -hmm. Tolker, a former athlete, used her art to reimagine her relationship with sports, a space that in the past hasn't been all that inclusive to young women. Donovan Bennett has her story. For a long time, I was very hesitant in making my art too feminine or too focused on females. Now I've realized like it's enough. Let's bring women and female athletes to the forefront. And it's what I want to celebrate and what I want to highlight. How did the Nothing But Net series come about? I wanted to explore materials. My aunt, she's a wedding decorator. She has all these beautiful things like crystals and flowers. And I put them out to have people play on them and document kind of their disintegration. And it never happened. Like these nets held strong, which also is a testament to like these beautiful, fragile things actually have this beautiful strength to them. A lot of especially sports art is really loud and graphic and like I'm also attracted to all of those things but I like to include the quiet moments, the calm moments, the more poetic aspects that I feel that are kind of lacking in the sports world. I always like equate it to the runner's high 
where you're working hard and you're running and then there's this moment of like silence and this moment where you're kind of outside of your body. Why do you do the art that you do? Uh, I think that it's missing. I have a daughter that's three. I want her to know that anything's possible and there is space for her. I love moments where she's sitting on my lap helping me sew. She helps me like with tools, put stuff together. Like it warms my heart to just have her know that women are awesome and cool and can do and be whatever they want to be. I want to help give voice to female athletes and women-run organizations. Like, I could name off so many people that have worked for the NBA in doing art, and like, I want to work with the WNBA. Like, let's put them front and center. This is what girls do. And that WNBA coming to Canada very mm -hmm. soon, Jesse Rubino. All right. On the other side, we'll try and make you smile. It is a Monday. The plays of the week are on tap, and Jesse Rubinoff hasn't seen them yet. That's why he touched on something that may be in those plays of the week. Such a smart kid, though. He knew we were going there. And plenty more on the way. Tim and Friends rolls on. P.O. Dubs. Anthony Stewart coming up, talking a little bit of hockey. Rash Badani coming up, talking a little football. It's big news in football, eh? There is. Derek Carr's got a new team. Does that mean that Aaron Rodgers could be closer to a new team? You know, there's also a, there's also a report that Tom Brady might be coming back. No, it, it's very... It's very. It's not we'll, that we'll super we'll intense explain. yet. We'll explain. We'll explain it. No, it's, it's, it's worth bringing up. <laughs> yeah, that's right, but for now, it's time for the plays of the league. It's worth bringing up. <laughs> These are the plays of the league. Doesn't want to go away. I'll done. have you feeling as good as Vladimir Guerrero Jr. At least before the knee injury. That was. This is all confirmed pre. This pre, pre pre knee injury. Yeah. Uh, but definitely feeling better than Joey Logano at the Pennzoil 400. Air, actual air. Yeah. 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 Uh, no one is feeling as good as this UNC student. Half court shot. Nineteen thousand dollars. All it needed was a Mike. Green bang or two. Well, we got him. Randall on the drive, stripped by Butler. Randall gets it back. Randall puts up a three. Bang! Bang! Randall knocks down the three with seven tenths of a second remaining. Double bang. I would love to see a compilation of the double bangs throughout <laughs> his career. Uh, well, this is a couple of double bangs. Speaking of bang bangs, there you go. Tom Wilson, Nathan Bolio, Riley Stillman, oh, Tanner Janot trying oh. to impress their oh. new teammates. Oh. Lordy, Lordy, Jared Tenorti. <laughs> That's who's next with Jack McBain. These and then are bombs. Give Ross Johnson some credit for going toe to toe with Ryan Wee. All this fighting, all this fighting, has us queuing up Wes McCauley. Say the light, Wes. Five guys each for fighting. And that's what passes for entertainment in the NHL. This is so stupid. Who plays Wes McCauley in the movie? Jake, how do you think they film movies? What do you mean it was so stupid? Well, we all know what happens. The movie is ruined, or is this great promo for the movie? The movie's ruined. Yeah. What do you mean? You By the way, why can't they come up with a new leaping idea? It's Roadhouse, you know that, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I don't. 
Oh, yeah, but you're too young to remember the real no, one. No, no, no. Okay. I got it. Yeah. Uh, this is John Jones against Zion Clark, who was born without legs. Uh, Zion won the push-up competition. <laughs> that was unbelievable. Uh, from one combat sport to another, <laughs> this is combat juggling, Jesse. <laughs> When's it going to end? When is the uh, imagination of sports going to end? <laughs> this is this is play at its finest. You did this when you were a kid, not this. You just made up games, right? I would have been good. I would have been good at that. Yeah. Uh, we go across the pond for a little tribe called Quest. Jesse, can I kick it? Yes, you can. Okay. Can I kick it? Yes, you can. All right. All right. So Liverpool Man U, can I kick it? Yes, you can. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jesse, how about uh, can I kick it? Yes, you can. All right, Jesse. Can I head it? <laughs> yes, you can. Okay. This is just from Faisal Kamisa. Can I kick it? Yes, you can. All right. One more time. Can I kick it? Firmino! You can. Uh, that's a touchdown. And convert it. Just for Faisal? Ugh. <laughs> uh, we go from no goaltending to actual goaltending. Matt Murray here on a 2-0. Christian Moanen absolutely robbed. Yeah, they lost, but that's a great save. Yeah, great jerseys. Too. Speaking of great saves, off Sid the Kid, Bobrovsky. Don't see that every day. <laughs> that is unbelievable. Uh, to the gridiron, where are they now category? Josh Gordon is in the XFL. And scoring a game-winning touchdown. This um, this isn't look. the greatest advertisement for the XFL. No, he doesn't look doesn't look very fast anymore. <laughs> I hate to say it. I loved him, but man, I'm a big fan of working smarter, not harder. Cut or uncut. Getting the Giannis jersey signed, then taking off the Giannis jersey and going to your real jersey. Yeah, I, I like that. That's, that's yeah, that's, that's good. Uncut. Yeah. Savvy. Uh, Giannis lost that game and then lost the triple-double against the Wiz. The NBA took away this rebound that would have given them the triple-double. That could factor in huge in the MVP race, (laughs) so I'm going to say. One last triple-double. Giannis said goodbye to a triple-double. The umpires in the Orioles-Pirates spring training game just said goodbye. Teams wanted to play at bottom of the ninth. Umpires did not, (laughs) so they played without ups. Maverick Handley <laughs> calls his own strike. The ump show. I thought it was a little outside. Oh my Teams goodness. Teams finish with no problems, and we finish with very few problems. Okay. Here on Tim and Friends. That's, I mean, an advertisement for having a game with no umpires anymore. Oh, come on. Like, you've played men's league something where they, the I'm officials didn't saying- show up. And dudes and girls You're right. and just scream and yell at each other. I'm just saying, I'm not so sure if I'm the umpires with the proliferation of technology oh, and implementing new things. I'm not so sure you're going to be walking <laughs> off the job like yeah, that. I think so, yeah. Not so smart. All right, time for a break. When we come back, we visit the ranks with five Canadian teams in action tonight. Plus, Anthony Stewart joins us to dissect an interesting weekend and the stretch run with the playoffs just six weeks away. Aggie! Baseball, football, all next. You'd be a great ump. Coming back. You'd be a good ump with that voice. I'm just great. And now, time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Muchas gracias, Sheepdogs, back here, second hour, Tim and Friends. Full hour for you, Rashford Danny in studio in a bit. Plus, we visit with Anthony Stewart 
in a few minutes. Six games in the NHL tonight, including five Canadian teams, five games in the Sportsnet family of channels. Hockey Central will follow us at 7 p.m. Eastern time. We begin with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Injury update from Leafs camp after a rough game in Vancouver Saturday night. Ryan O'Reilly has suffered a broken finger and will be going on LTIR. They don't have a timeline as of yet. Sheldon Keefe said they are confident he will be back before the playoffs. Now, John Tavares won't play tomorrow in New Jersey after taking a couple of big hits on Saturday. They said he was under the weather. Leafs hope he's back in their next game on Saturday. Got a little time off. Austin Matthews also left that game after blocking a shot, but returned and will suit up tomorrow. As for tonight, the Jets host the Sharks. You can catch this one on Sportsnet 1. Winnipeg now in the second wildcard spot. Six points clear of the Preds. Seven up on the Flames after a much-needed win over the Edmonton Oilers on Saturday night. With more on the Jets, let's go live to Sean Reynolds. Sean, did, uh, did the wind calm the waters a wee bit in Winnipeg? Yeah, isn't that funny how that works? I mean... The sky was falling here for the longest time. Everyone was throwing their hands up. Kevin Cheveldayoff didn't do enough at the trade deadline. Everything was going wrong. And then they get that one win, and all of a sudden, they're planning the parade route all over again. Here's the thing with this Winnipeg Jets win. They look capable when they play at the top of their game. They just look so good, right? And you take a team like the Oilers, who could score with the best of them, and the Jets, they can go out and outscore that team. That's what's so interesting about this team. There's still a lot of faith in them, despite the fact that they've basically kind of fallen on their face and stayed down since the middle of January. People still believe in this team. This team still believes in itself, but if it's going to continue believing, they have to find some consistency. And one of the things we've seen down the stretch is they'll come out, they'll play a good game, and then they'll be against a weaker opponent like they have tonight, the San Jose Sharks, and they'll just forget to show up. So it starts tonight to see if the Winnipeg Jets can build a little consistency. They do that, and the belief meter is just going to keep climbing and climbing. Here, Tim. It, it is the unicorn, though, in the NHL. Outside the Boston Bruins, you could talk every other of the 31 teams and say consistency is a key for that team. Uh, we'll check in on the Oilers in a flash, yeah. but appreciate you doing this with us, as always, Mr. Reynolds. Anytime, Tim. There is Sean Reynolds uh, in Winnipeg. In Buffalo, the Oilers looking to bounce back from that 7-5 loss on Saturday to Winnipeg. Stuart Skinner! Back in net for Edmonton while Craig Anderson goes for the Sabres, who are part of that log jam in the Eastern Conference wildcard chase that's going to be so fun down the stretch. For more, let's check in live with Gene Prince Bay down the road in Buffalo. Oh, Gino. <laughs> Actually, Tim, that's exactly how we got here. I, I uh, Mark Spector, you may know him from uh, Tim and Friends, Sportsnet.ca, Sportsnet, uh, barely. And uh, <laughs> we flew in. He met me from Winnipeg, and then we took a ride uh, with our buddy Joseph. And uh, we got here. It was a beautiful drive. It was wonderful. It was kind of neat to uh, go on a road trip that didn't involve uh, a plane, as we uh, felt it was the quickest way to get down here. And you want to get here. Uh, since I've been here just a little over 24 hours, I am running into so many kids uh, from Ontario that have uh, come down here to watch this game, to see Buffalo, and to see, yeah, you know what? I, I, my kids used to say to me, Dad, you always talk about Connor McDavid. That's because everybody's talking about yeah. this guy, and especially this season. I mean, you look at the season he's having, the top five scorers in the National Hockey League, 
I, I love for Leon Dreisaitl that, you know, him and Connor are teammates, but when you look at the scoring race, you're thinking, this guy's having an unbelievable season, and he's still way back of, uh, of McDavid. But listen, they are a pair, and they have often said it, they want to win cups. So they're not so curious about Art Ross trophies and Hart trophies, but let's not forget Tage Thompson. Uh, you know, I used to cover his daddy. He used to play for the Medicine Hat Tigers back in the late 80s, early 90s, and uh, he and his wife have uh, put together this young man who knows what he's doing on the ice, traded from St. Louis to Buffalo. He's number five in scoring, and he's amongst the tallest players in the National Hockey League. So it's six foot six, Tage Thompson, against six foot three, Leon Dreisaitl, and six foot one, Connor McDavid. Imagine if you were six six. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice, I guess. But uh, I'm pretty happy with how things turned out. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. He kind of was looking around like, and I kind of got the reporter's question, sort of saying, "Hey, for a guy to be six six and that talented, right. I'm not sure he meant would you like to be six six." So I thought it was, I thought it was a great response, and I think, if I may, as we continue to see Connor McDavid uh, develop as uh, what will certainly think a hockey Hall of Fame career, you're also seeing him be. Um, I just I think a little more comfortable with yeah. uh, dealing with media and I, I've seen him just be fantastic with kids he really has time uh, to spend with them understanding I think he, I think he really knows now that he's a role model and so many of these kids want to see him they want a fist pump they want a high five they yeah. want a picture they just just to say hey I saw Connor McDavid and you're going to see him and Leon and Tate Thompson and two teams uh, Tim that are either in a playoff spot or trying to get in a playoff spot and hoping to further that cause tonight. Uh, Gino, I watch a lot of kids hockey. My, my son plays. Uh, I go and see his buddies play. The most popular number in the Greater Toronto Hockey League, the biggest hockey league in the world, is 97 by far. And I appreciate you powering through whatever supper club you happen to be at. Like, what the hell is going on behind you? Gino, are they, are they playing music behind you live? What's going on? We may have lost. <laughs> He's just always smiling. Yeah. It's the music. It was so loud. He couldn't hear what I was saying. Someone yeah, was, was really wailing by. It was like a piano bar. Yeah. Not really a jazz, more of a jazz bar, but yeah, whatever. I don't know what the hell that was. Someone was wailing on yeah, the guitar yeah. for a while. And Pretty Gino good, powered actually. through all of that. Very impressive. And then when I asked him the question. That's a really difficult <laughs> job. Like, I don't know how they power through stuff like that. Very oh, impressive. I know. It can be awfully distracting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Meantime, Flames are in Dallas looking for any kind of spark. After losing five straight, they've shaken up the lines. This is pretty uh, pretty rich. Jacob Peltier moving up to the top line. After. <laughs> be, listen, I mean, Sutter said I didn't even know who he was, what number is he? And now he's on the top line. Nick Ritchie will play alongside. Kadri and Uberdo. Jacob Markstrom will start once again after looking okay on Saturday night despite the loss. Meantime, the surging set, no longer pesky, but the surging sends, mm. Jesse, mm. like to keep their playoff hopes alive. Playoff push, dare I say, as they face the Hawks in Chicago. Won five straight, scoring at least five goals in each of those wins. And end of the night, just three points out of a playoff spot with the vibes looking pretty fine. Sens haven't made the postseason since 2017. Now there won't be any playoffs for the Vancouver Canucks despite their seemingly different approach at the trade deadline tonight. They host the Preds, a game you can see regionally, Sportsnet Pacific with more from Vancouver. Let's check in with Dan Murphy, hopefully with no music. Dan. 
Tim, of the two teams competing here at Rogers Arena tonight, only one has a crack at the playoffs, and that would be the Nashville Predators. An outside chance? Sure, but they're just six points back of Winnipeg for the second wildcard spot, and they do have three games in hand on the Jets. Even with those circumstances, Nashville sold at the deadline and sold hard. Jeannot, Ekholm, Niederreiter, Granlin, all gone. The Vancouver Canucks, they also sold leading up to the deadline, but a significant purchase was made as well. Philip Aronik for a first and second round pick. So it appears like these two franchises are approaching the near future in different manners. Both have a number one center, Forsberg, Pedersen. Both teams have a number one defenseman, Yossi, Hughes. And both have an elite goaltender, Soros and Demko. But only one of these franchises appears to be trying to turn things around as quickly as possible, and that would be the Canucks because they don't appear to be as interested in futures as the Predators are. Tim? No, sir. The, uh, the phrase that pays in Vancouver is retool, not rebuild, as we've been saying for Good a long time that. here on <laughs> Tim and Friends. Uh, we retool real quickly here as Anthony Stewart joins us to discuss a lot of this hockey, including what transpired in Vancouver over the weekend. Oh, look at this coming double-fisted, Stewie, <laughs> with the pair of pet. Hey. Hey, listen, Stewie, uh, your your Scarborough iPhone, otherwise known as the four-colored big pen, has gone global. You know, it started with a little thing with Anthony Stewart here on Tim and Friends and beyond. And I was watching Liverpool Man U over the weekend, and Eric Ten Hag, Stewie, I don't know if you noticed the pen that he is using <laughs> on the sideline, on the touchline, as they call it, in football. But that appears to be, oh, he is a cheater. A biter who loves to forge. All I got to say in response to that is like, where is John C. Bickington? I need my sponsorship <laughs> deal because I've been promoting this since 1993. This carbon in Scarborough, you know, send it, send it. I could take product. Give me a big hat, give me a big uh, groceries. I'm ready to go. I'm ready, locked and loaded. But it's good to see this was the original iPhone. When you had one of these in school, you were the man or woman. <laughs> so let me, let me just, I don't know what I'd rather. I think I'd rather that you made it up, but is John C. Bickington really? <laughs> or did you just make that up? You can Google it. That's a real person. <laughs> That's a real he person. Is it really? He started Bick. Yeah, he started Bick. Yeah. That's so amazing. <laughs> I, I wish you just made it up. Uh, all right, so the Leafs and, uh, and Canucks go toe-to-toe, as I may have spit on the microphone here, but I'll just wipe it off really quickly. Um, on the weekend, and the Leafs come out walking wounded. John Tavares, they say he's under the weather. Uh, he took a couple of big hits. It looks like Matthews is good to go. Uh, not great news on Ryan O'Reilly. What do you make of the broken finger? Well, it's definitely a, a huge loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, um, you know, he's a big, big part of this team and a big, big part of their, their playoff run, too. But, you know, part of the plan of what was going on with the Toronto Maple Leafs, especially at the deadline, was they're going to have depth. They have guys that can step in. You're seeing uh, John Tavares out as well. You have Sam Lafferty, who's got 10 goals this year. He steps up into the two-hole at center. So they have guys that have that versatility to play left wing, right wing, center. And that's what you're going to need. You're not going to be going two, three, four rounds in the playoffs uh, without having injuries, without having adversity on specialty teams. So I think with this group, they really added that depth. So that's really what I like uh, that they did uh, you know, right before the deadline. Adding those guys, excuse me, that can really go above and beyond and have that versatility. But anyway, you dice it, Ryan O'Reilly is a huge, huge loss. Uh, but I think the one positive is that uh, he's a guy that stays in great shape, and when he comes back, which is hopefully before the playoffs, he hits the ground running. 
What did you make of what John Cooper did in Tampa by, by benching his big boys on Saturday night and then having them respond with a, with a six-cob drubbing against Carolina? <laughs> well, message not received, but that, that's what it is, and, and, and accountability. And, again, I played for a lot of teams that struggle, but the one thing we did was have that accountability saying, you know what, regardless of the talent level, you have to bring a certain effort uh, every single night. And we know those big three in Tampa Bay, they are game breakers. They have the talent where they can take some nights off and still be, um, you know, productive. But they're setting the tone for the playoffs. We saw what happened last year or two years ago, I think, with Kucherov. They sat him during overtime and he came off and it started playing some great, great hockey. But they know that this first round matchup potentially against the Maple Leafs is going to be a big, big battle. And you can't have guys resting on their laurels. You can't have guys saying, well, you know what? We had a bad period or a bad shift or a bad game or a bad segment or a bad month. You have to step up. So I think it's more so sending a message, but setting the tone, saying, guys, yeah, we've had some success, three Stanley Cup runs in the last four years here. We're a team that, uh, you know, teams are going to be gunning for us, but we have to be have an acceptable level of, you know, effort every single night. So I think as much as he didn't want to do it, he had to set the tone because it's not going to be an easy first round against the Maple Leafs. Uh, Jesse and I had the conversation off the top of the show. Uh, who would you rather be right now, Tampa or Toronto? Uh, <laughs> that, that was our reaction. reaction. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the first thing that came through my mind was Ric Flair. And, and again, they're, they're the defending, the not man. the defending chance, but they've, they've had success. So they understand what it's like to be down, uh, you know, 3-2 in a series. They understand what it's like to – to lose a top guy. They understand what it's like to score by committee. They understand what happens if a goaltender strung. So they've sort of checked all the boxes and what it takes to be successful. So Tampa Bay, until they really, you know, get they lose in a first round or they get swept, uh, you, you can't count them out because they, they call the champion's heart. So until you really defeat that champion's heart, you got to give them the slight edge. And, and going into the playoffs, you're looking at a team like Tampa Bay Lightning, Vasilevsky, most likely can steal a series. So I know that's the one perceived weakness for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think they have a slight edge, Tampa Bay, the goaltending. And going into playoffs, that's the edge I'd like to have. All right, so we're talking about John Cooper calling out his team, and you're not really all that worried about how they respond. What about Daryl Sutter and the Calgary Flames? Oof. Uh, I, I think it's beyond words, right? You can only say something so, so, much, so many times. And again, I've been part of teams now where I've had the coach kick over the Gatorade tub, you know, for the third time. And it's only November. You can only do that twice a year. So there's only a certain amount of words that can be used before you have to decide what is the issue here uh, in Calgary. Is it the players? Is it the personnel? Is it the coaching? Is it the management? So I'm not advocating for anybody losing their jobs or getting trading. But a lot of us on our panels, and again, I've been 0 for 17. I know this year my predictions had uh, the Calgary Flames to win the Stanley Cup. And they're nowhere close right now. We're taking a look at the standings right now. They're... A couple more wins, they're falling out of this race, right? You're looking at it right now. The Jets are uh, starting to turn the corner. You know, I predicted the Oilers to be challenging for the for the conference as well, too. So if they do not, in this next two, three-game segment here, find a way to get it done, we're going to be talking about what's going to be happening now in the offseason. Yeah, that, that, that's the uh, again, reality, I picked though. them to win the Cup, uh, So, but I'll just chalk that up to, hey, I don't know anything, I guess. But, but that's, that's <laughs> the reality here is that – we all know that Bradshaw Living is in his final year of his deal. Like, we all know that the deadline was a little bit awkward because they don't know what they're going to do moving forward. And the reason they don't know what they're going to do moving forward is because they don't know what team they have. 
And if it doesn't turn out and they end up on the outside looking in, then people will be demanding uh, that things change in Calgary. And that's just the reality of it all. It's, it's going the other way in Ottawa right now. Jesse and I officially on the Sens bandwagon. No Are you Anthony Stewart? Well, Tim, if we were really serious friends, you'd cue the tape from me, I think, in November, quadrupling down. And I was going to say something on top of quadruple, but my vocabulary is not that higher. So I had to stop at quadruple because I believe that. Ask John C. Bickington. Quintuple? (laughs) I'll check my uh, thesaurus afterwards. But uh, again, this is a team now that how do you not get excited by the future with some of these young guys? You've got Stutzela, Pinto, Batherson and Giroux look at the year that he's having he's going to be closing in on a career high in goals as well too and uh, and I always talk about um, the goaltender Sogard I've seen this guy in in the summertime and he doesn't fit in the doorway that's how big he is when he's on his skates and you, you know you see him get his accolades and rookie goaltender of the month as well too so the future is bright so whether or not they get in the best advice I ever got uh, from Brian Burke was you sell wins or you sell hope Uh, And I'm very hopeful and the fans are very hopeful for the future in Ottawa. So it's great to see them turn it around where, you know, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, we were doing the obituary for them now to be contending for a playoff spot. Things are definitely bright on the horizon for the Ottawa Senators. Okay, so we got through the Flames. We got through the Senators. I just got to ask about the Edmonton Oilers, who you can see tonight on Rogers Monday Night Hockey as they take on the Sabres. It feels like it would be a high-scoring affair. However, after losing 7-5, you think Jay Woodcroft might be stressing a little defense here? You have to, but when you have the top two players in the world at this point, how do you tell them, hey, guys, you know what? He's off on getting three, four points tonight. Let's worry about uh, trapping here. But again, that's sort of you live by the sword and you die by the sword. And, um, you know, I think they got to get a little bit more consistent with the goaltending. Skinner had a good uh, February. He struggled a little bit as well. Excuse me, I meant uh, Jack Campbell. Uh, but again, the addition of Ekholm, I really like that because he's a minute puncher. He can play some big, big minutes and alleviate uh, Darnell Nurse. He struggled for a little bit, but I think he was playing too many minutes, 25, 26 minutes a night. That's tough. So I think with the Edmonton Oilers, you know, I predicted by March they'd be contending uh, for that uh, division right now. But again, they're struggling a little bit up and down. But I, I really like their their chances this year because that Ekholm guy, he's a stabilizer. And I think that's what they need on the back end, just that stabilization. Everyone talks about the depth. But I think in their bottom six, they have three or four guys with 10 or plus more goals. So I think that coupled with Evander Kane coming back and, and, and producing, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, I could see them repeating the performance last year mm-hmm. of uh, making it to uh, the, the, the conference finals. Excuse me. I love uh, I love rolling through all the teams with you. Uh, we've run out of time. But one last thing. Uh, John C. Bickington does not exist. Marcel Bick. <laughs> oh, you caught me. I'm <laughs> out of here. Marcel, <laughs> Marcel Bick does exist. Uh, and he apparently was the one that invented our four-color pen. Does he have a Twitter? If he has a Twitter, <laughs> please, uh, any, everybody in friends, Tim and friends land, yeah. please tell him I need a, a sponsorship I, I, deal. I, I need, I I need better Wi-Fi. I need better lighting. <laughs> uh, in December 1950, so I don't know if he's still with us, but there may be a son of a bick. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Stewie? Very quick. <laughs> you need a siren for that one. Here. That's a great one. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm uh, thanks, Stewie. Always appreciate you. All right, thanks a lot. Appreciate right. it. <laughs> uh, Anthony Stewart. I love that he just made up John C. Bicking. <laughs> Very close. So good. A lot All of right. wit between the two of you in that interview. Uh, after the break, Arash Medani drops by for a couple of segments. Derek Carr has a new home. Will they be good? Will Aaron Rodgers have a new home? Remember, Arash Medani was the man who 
popped a bottle of champagne the last time you thought Aaron Rodgers was leaving the division. And how far will Anthony Richardson move up the draft board? I have another breaking news NFL story after the break. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. It is truly Tim and Friends today because we're wearing the team jacket. I hope we're not clashing here. Rash Madani is joining me in studio. I believe that's some sort of Vikings art on the T-shirt underneath. It's the it's the Tecmo Super Bowl oh, nice. logo yeah. from so, back in the day. I like that. Yes, sir. Uh, so we're talking a little bit of football, and I was going to hit you with a Derek Carr to New Orleans. Uh, would it be fitting if Aaron Rodgers went from Green Bay to Las Vegas to play with Devontae Adams? Are there caves? And then, in Las Vegas? <laughs> Emerge from the darkness? I don't, I don't know if it was exactly a cave that he went into. It looked pretty damn Maybe nice Maybe he should stay in the cave. <laughs> stay in the darkness. Do stay us in all the cave. Favor. Uh, and then we got breaking news. And I have breaking news and really soft kind of bending news. Okay. So where would you like to start? The breaking news I don't know, or the soft, bending? Soft and bending sounds interesting. Soft on a and bending. I'm, I'm actually interested in that. Jesse told me this off the top of the show, and I can't believe that it took us this long to get to it. So, Jesse, can you hit us with Dove? Oh, my goodness. I didn't know that one was coming. Uh, essentially. Um, oh, you didn't? You don't have it? I don't have a cue. Oh, my bad. I'm no, 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 but it's that. okay. It's okay. I know what it is. What do you got? You know, I can say what it is. Okay. So this is according to Dove Kleiman, who, uh, by way of Rich Eisen, yes. that Tom Brady is potentially not done and to keep an eye on Miami. Okay, so. Let's <laughs> <Just> go. <laughs> no, no. But I, this I, got, is... I, got the, I got the tweet on my computer right now. I'm sorry. I, I should no, have told okay. you I might, that. I might have had there. a different So thing. Tom Brady might not be done after all, in quotes, done after all with his playing in the NFL, according to the Rich Eisen Show, yeah. who talked to people in Indy. Folks are saying keep an eye on my Okay, hands. so let's, let's just. <laughs> just for a second, let's hit the brakes. Can I just, can I just chuckle first sure. before you hit the brakes? Sure. All right, go ahead. So. <laughs> So I listened to the Rich Eisen show on the way in. Okay. Because I find the two best days to listen to Rich Eisen is the Monday after the combine and the Monday after the draft. Right. Because what happens at the combine and the draft? People talk. Yeah. yeah. All the tea gets spilled. Yeah. And that was one of six rumors that Eisen said he heard. Another one? Philip Rivers, at the end of the high school season, mm -hmm. reached out to both Miami and San Francisco, <laughs> saying, hey, you want me? I'm available. I'm like, when did you turn into Brett Favre, what are we Philip Rivers? Yeah. Um, and one of those was an executive saying, well, maybe Tom ha isn't fully retired. Mm. And Miami would be the destiny. Eh. I'm so near on the whole thing. Like, if he comes back again, like, I, you can't damage Six Rings legacy, but you are getting a little bit, like, the, I don't even know if you saw the headline but that you've said you've been that, around enough football people to know that they start believing their own BS once they start making things up in their heads, and then they get in front of other football people and put a few drinks in front of them, and then they just... Talk about things like they're true. But did you see the headline that he was going to put off the Fox thing because he wanted to try his hand at stand-up comedy? <laughs> I'm not joking. It is a joke. Literally and figuratively, yeah, that was a headline last real. week. Where? Where was the headline? <laughs> it's just... What was the source? You know, 
You, you guys, you give him the second was, piece of breaking news, and I'll get you the second story. He was at uh, the UFC event on the weekend. Brady yes. was sitting beside Mike. He looks, he looks bored. I mean, he's not not always the most uh, gregarious fellow, but he, he looks bored. Maybe he is. Maybe he does want to come back. Um, it's amazing what we read into. Yeah. Tom looked bored at, in Vegas. So yeah, I'm just putting two to and two back. together. Rich yeah, Eisen, that's two and two. Tom of Brady at the UFC yeah. event. Uh, here's the other piece of breaking news. Uh, Geno Smith has reached an agreement on a three-year, $105 million contract, including $52 million in the first year, which is an insane amount of money. And hold on one second here. In 10 seasons, Geno has earned approximately $17.5 million. He's going to have a chance to make Fifty-two in twenty twenty-three. Yeah, it doesn't seem like we have any numbers on cap hits and no, or guaranteed this just money. Came, this right? is breaking. Yeah, in the last couple minutes. The fifty-two well, might seem like that would be the guarantee, but then it says chance to make fifty-two. Yeah, that's the weird one. Yeah. If fifty-two, anyway. Good for Gino. <laughs> yeah, good for Gino to get his money. Like, yeah. incredible. Yeah. And I think the moral of this story is that we are so quick to either anoint quarterbacks or write-off quarterbacks. Mm. Yeah. There is next to no patience when it comes to that position. And here's Geno Smith, who was a Jet, who was a giant. Remember when Eli's streak ended, Geno was there. Geno has bounced around everywhere. Mm-hmm. And Mark Sanchez, who had Geno as his backup, was calling his games this year saying, he's making reads and decisions and throws that he wasn't making 10 years ago. Right. And that, and Gino's like, well, I went to work, and it takes a. It's the hardest position in sports, and maybe, maybe this is the eye opener for some executives, who overserve themselves at the combine and start making things up and, and you know flap their gums. Yeah. That maybe Gino is assigned to some people saying, let's Develop be a little the bleeping position. Let's just be a little more patient. But didn't you do the story on? when the quarterback gets paid at the Super Bowl, and now every quarterback wants to get paid. Like, if you're a starter in the NFL, see Daniel Jones, see Geno Smith. Now, you just if you're a starter, you get paid. So, a couple of things there. Yeah. One, Geno wasn't a first-round pick. Right. So, after four years, if you're not going to pay him, okay, bye. Right. Or, Geno, we'll keep developing you uh, you make a decision. And everybody's trajectory is different. Correct. The Daniel Jones thing is fascinating to me because I think the New York Giants are about to make a New York Giants move again. <laughs> who is Daniel Jones? Where else is Daniel Jones going to go? Where are the landing spots for Daniel Jones? Because now New Orleans has its guy. Seattle has its guy. Mm-hmm. And Jones's camp wants over $40 million or around $40 million. Well, where's your negotiating power? Yeah, there's, only, there's only a couple of openings all over football. I mean, Las Vegas, wherever Aaron Rodgers ends up, sure, might leave you an open spot if he takes another one. Uh, could he just leverage the Jets against the Giants? and cause a bleep storm in mm-hmm. that spot? Does Tampa need a quarterback? Like th- these are all It's th- Kyle Trask season, I've been told. <laughs> right. But these are all things that you and I both know. Daniel Jones with Brian Dable works. Correct. And it worked for him. And don't bleep it up, either one of you, by either asking for too much money or forcing the hand too far that you end up with another quarterback and have to rework it all over again, though I do believe that Dable could figure it out.
So I, I think that the Giants want to franchise Saquon. That, yeah. That's their end game here, even though there's a ton of running backs coming into the draft. Yeah. And I think it's absurd to franchise a running back like Tony Pollard oh, getting $10.9 million today. But if, if the Giants say, you know what, Daniel Jones, we're not going there. Have fun in free agency. Is Daniel Jones going to come crawling back in a couple of weeks and being like, hey, guys, I'll play for 28? Right. I don't know. Interesting. Probably not when Geno's making 35 now. But who's going to pay him? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is Green Bay. Maybe it's Vegas. Yeah, but I, I don't know that he gets what he... It's a lot of money he's asking for. Jalen Hurts is going to ask for, like, 75. <laughs> like, it's out of control. It's uh, just up and up and up. One last quarterback question because we're running out of time here and I know sure. we have Cal Quantrill coming up yeah but do you know what to do with Anthony Richardson after what was maybe the combine of all combines um, I would uh, throw the combine tape away and then I would get all this tape from the University of Florida with and, the, I would, which and I would there isn't evaluate much. that yeah there isn't much there isn't much and this this doesn't do anything for me at all at all congratulations you can jump high Hold on. and you can jump far. Can you make that throw against an NFL corner is my question. Can you make that throw back shoulder? Are you able to execute the read option? Can you play? I don't care if you can jump. Okay, but run, jump, throw, with maybe the best that we have ever seen so at a comp. I No, I agree with you. He completed, for those who don't know, at Florida, he completed just 53.8% of his passes last year. That would rank 105th out of 113 FBS passers last year. Okay, sl- stop, stop right insane. there. Stop right there. Say that again. Yeah, that's, Say that's, that again. There's one more I got for you. No, no, no. But just, uh, this is why I think this stat is absurd. Say 105th out of... No, but the completion percentage was... 53.8% of his passes to rank so 105 out of 113. He didn't play a lot of football. Yeah. If he completes two more passes a game, two, maybe one he's throwing away, mm-hmm. maybe one the receiver drops, you know what that number actually turns into? 62%. Ooh. Right. Two more so, passes a game? Two more completions really? a game. He didn't play a lot, right? Right. So when, when we look at some of these numbers, this is why I say you go look at the tape. Yeah. Maybe the smart move was throwing the ball away. Right. Maybe the smart move was throwing it at the receiver's feet. Maybe it's the receiver who let him down. So I wouldn't get too caught up. This kid can play, and he had one receiver yeah. on his team who might be NFL talent. If he's picked in the first round, he would tie Mitch Trubisky for the fewest college starts by a first-round quarterback since 2000. How'd that work out? That was the, uh, that was the other stat for you. So you know what that says to me? What's that? Jim Ursay is drafting <laughs> Anthony Richardson. Man, 6'4", 240, running a 4'4", It's ridiculous. And he can jump. Yeah. High and High. far. And broad. <laughs> and broad, yeah, and broad, yeah. Uh, all right, Madani sticking around. He did a feature on Cal Quantrill. WBC about to get underway. We'll talk Canada baseball next with a rash. And Cal.
Tim and friends, Rash Madani in studio, Jesse Rubinoff, as always in studio, continuing what is a great conversation in the commercial break about the draft combine, not knowing quarterbacks, and the NFL thinking that they know quarterbacks, even though the greatest of all time mm-hmm. was a sixth round pick. And is Joe second? Is Montana still second? Yes. Ah, he was a third round pick. Yes. <laughs> but Scott but Keoli say if we were real smart, we would have taken Brady in the first, second, third, fourth, or fifth <laughs> right, round. Right. Could Montana jump, though? That's the question. Could he jump? No, he couldn't. <laughs> he, couldn't yeah, he could not run could a Tom? 4 4-3. Yeah. Tom could Neither not could jump. Tom. Yeah. Uh, Cal Quantrill, I know uh, from playing at Holy Trinity in Port Hope, Ontario, yes. was a volleyball player, uh-huh. lettered in hockey as well, and he was a pretty damn good baseball player. A pretty good pitcher. Yeah. And he says hockey was his favorite sport. He just wasn't as good at it right. as he was at baseball, and he's become a pretty damn good baseball player, one of the centerpieces of the Cleveland Guardians rotation. But later this week, Quantrill will be the ace of Team Canada's staff at the World Baseball Classic. I went down to Guardian Spring Training to sit down with Cal, who just cannot wait to suit up wearing nice. the Maple Leaf. Established big leaguer now, this 28-year-old Cal Quantrill, but even on a cool Arizona morning, he can't wait to tell you the story from back in the day. He was 15, pitching for Canada's junior national team at a world showcase in Colombia. And talk about a welcome. The first two hitters he faced, Joey Gallo and Addison Russell. That was the full on, uh, are you ready for this? I was jumping in the deep end pretty quick. I feel like Baseball Canada as a whole gave me a lot. Maybe more so than even, you know, a lot of the other guys on the team. That was the start of, of my of my kind of international and my, my representation of Canada and I really have made a point since then of you know if the opportunity is there I'd like to do it. Quantrill hasn't forgotten and he wants to give back. Across baseball this week some of the game's greats are leaving big league spring training to join national team camps for a crash course before the World Baseball Classic. An event the ace of Canada's pitching staff has long committed to. If there is a WBC Cal, is, is Team Canada in your future? Oh, no question. Absolutely. I'd be an honor to play for that team. As much as any other country in the world, we will be competing to win when we're there. Why is suiting up for Canada so important for you? Anytime you get to represent your country, that's a special thing. It's just a different um, crunch. It's a, it's a it's pretty high energy and, and, and you know, and you feel like you've got a lot riding on it, you're kind of, you're reaching a a wider audience than say, you know, the market that you play for. So, um, you know, we got a big country. We want to represent it all. (laughs) You don't want to miss your opportunity to kind of leave it all out there. Quantrill feels an obligation. He's grateful to the Canadian legends who paved the way, giving their time and resources. Larry Walker championed the cause. Then, then the Justin Morneaus and Joey Votto's did too. What can your generation do to grow it even bigger? I think there's a lot of quality Canadian players and and uh, maybe, you know, showing the baseball youth in Canada that, you know, it's not as it's not as impossible as maybe just one or two guys. But now there's kind of this young wave, right. the Nailers and O'Neill and Quantrill and Pavetta. And it's exciting. It's fun for baseball fans in this country. I just remind them that it, it is an attainable goal. Um, we are a good baseball nation and, and uh, I think there's a lot more talent and a lot more depth than, than, uh, than, than people realize and I think that's our generation's kind of contribution. Quantrill of course is a second generation big leaguer 
As a kid, Cal grew up around the ballpark, was a fixture at the Dome during Dad's six seasons in Toronto. And when the WBC begins, the two will reunite on the field for the first time in what feels like forever. So all these years later, you're wearing the same uniform as the bullpen coach for Team Canada. What's that gonna mean to you? Hopefully I'm not coming out of the pen too much. He <laughs> can keep to his guys. <laughs> it's a pretty cool opportunity. I'm not sure how many guys can say that, you know, get coached by your dad when you're 12 and then again when you're almost 30. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, as long as he stays at the hotel, he's not staying at my house. <laughs> Tough on Bob's there. Doesn't matter how old you are, you don't want your parents <laughs> staying at your house, huh? So it's going to be tough for Canada, though. Yes. Uh, do you think they can get through this pool? And where does Cal start? Well, Cal starts against anybody not named Team USA because right. you're not going to use that bullet against the Americans. Canada's in a group with, there you see it right there, with Great Britain, the Americans, Colombia, and Mexico. Remember, the Mexicans won't have Alejandro Kirk uh, there. USA is stacked. So to me, you go with Quantrill right away the and win. then hope you can get one against Colombia or Mexico. Uh, two and two might be enough to get yourself into the medal rounds uh, and to go to Miami, but there is just very little depth with yeah. pitching after Cal. Yeah, without a doubt, there's very little depth. It feels like we're kind of in the same spot as Canada basketball, where there are some names, there are some young players, getting them to sign on the dotted line, getting them there, making sure they got contracts. Like, listen, baseball players don't get paid until they've got some tenure in that mm -hmm. league, right? Like, it's not as if Cal Quantrill is set for life. He'll do okay right now, but he's he not set be, for life. He won't be a free agent until 2026. I think the number is $5 million this year. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's good money, but it's not like we're not talking Geno Smith money. <laughs> like, and, and this is what I legitimately wonder, Timmy. Like, yeah. baseball fans in this country, as much as we love guys wearing the Maple Leaf and doing all that, would you rather see Jordan Romano in Dunedin this week or Arizona? I, 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 I don't think Jordan's going to get hurt. It's going to be high leverage situations. It may, may be a good tune-up. Yeah. And therein lies the dilemma for, for Canada's baseball program and Greg Hamilton and all the people who try really hard to put together a really good team. It'll be interesting to watch, though, and you'll be, uh, you'll be along for the ride. Yeah, Shai Davidi and I are going to be there in Arizona. It's going to be great. Uh, appreciate you dropping by wearing the uh, team uniform today. Yes, sir. <laughs> awesome. Uh, great talking baseball and football with you, my friend. Uh, Arash Madani, time for one last break. We'll visit with the Rogers Monday Night Hockey panel ahead of Hockey Central as we wrap things up on this edition Tim and Friends, Game Time, Ruby next. Our Monday tip of the cap goes to 16-year-old Canadian swimming phenom Summer McIntosh who just can't stop winning. On Saturday, the Toronto native completed the hat trick by winning the women's 200-meter individual medley at the 2023 post-swim series in Fort Lauderdale. All right, here's why. It was also her third record-setting swim of the competition, all in wins. Check it. Her 20808 smashed Sydney Pickerham's Canadian record and lowered McIntosh's own World Junior record from last season. She also smashed the World Junior mark in the 200 butterfly on Thursday in a win and the 200-meter freestyle on Friday in another win. The freestyle was eighth mile good, not only snapping 
American star Katie Ledecky's nine-year winning streak on home soil in the process, but it also became the fastest time ever recorded in the United States of America. We used to name. Sounds like it could be the summer of summer nice. for a couple years. Canada, get used to hearing this name, as Jesse says, because the swimming world is learning the hard way when it comes to summer Macintosh. I can't wait for the summer period to come along. But if you're stuck inside tonight, well, Sportsnet's got you covered with five NHL games for your viewing pleasure on the Sportsnet family channels. And it all starts with David Amber and the Rogers Monday Night Crew coming up in a flash on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 1. Can the Oilers bounce back from the 7-5 loss against the uh, high-flying Sabres tonight? Can the team they beat on Saturday, Winnipeg, look to make it two in a row with the Sharks in town? Sportsnet and Sportsnet 1, respectively. And if hockey ain't your thing, SN Now's got you covered. Celtics and Cavs, Boston fresh off a double overtime loss to the Knicks. Well, maybe not all that fresh. And it's Monday, hence Monday Night Raw on Sportsnet 360, featuring the return of John Cena. Apparently, you can see him on Raw tonight. Very good. We mentioned David Amber and the Hockey Central panel coming up next. Fittingly enough, we check in with him now. Time to lead off game time with David. Take it away. All right, Tim, the Eastern Conference, we know that's incredible insanity happening there as far as the wild card chase. Not exactly insane in the West. However, playoff positioning on the line tonight on Rogers Monday Night Hockey. We have both the Oilers and the Jets in action, separated by just two points and currently holding down the two wild cards. Their fan bases aren't thinking about making the playoffs. They're thinking about winning a Stanley Cup. So, Keith, we'll start with you. What do these two teams, the Oilers and the Jets, need to show you for you to say yes? They are viable Stanley Cup contenders. Well, for me, the Jets, I just need to see them play hard. they got to be a team that hunts teams down, uh, is physical every shift, and I think that's the only way they're going to be able to succeed in playoffs. And uh, good news for them, with only you know 20 or so games left, they can prove that every night. I wouldn't mind seeing some more production from their wings. You've got the guys in the middle, which you know you're going to expect some offense from, and Dubois and Shifley and Lowry. But can you get some contribution to the right or left side there, Cass? That's going to be the one thing I'm looking for from the Winnipeg Jets. Well, for me, it's about the Edmonton Oilers and who is your number one goaltender. And I think they have to establish it right now. And for me, it's Stuart Skinner. But I look at Jack Campbell and I say, okay, how many games left in the regular season? There's 19. He's going to get the game at Toronto. He's going to get the game at home versus Dallas, two of his former teams. And then he's going to get two games on the last four games of the road trip that they're going to finish the season with. And I just think, though, it's Stuart Skinner's net. And, you know, Jack Campbell, he's allowed too many goals over the last five games. And I think the Edmonton Oilers need to establish that number one net position now and allow Stuart Skinner to run with it. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, you guys want to see you want to see a bit more defense from the Oilers. You want to see a bit more grit and toughness from the Winnipeg Jets. Do you look at either of those teams as possible favorites, though, in the West? They're both good in different ways, right? <laughs> I mean, I never want to count out Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, especially watching Leon Dreisaitl, what he did last playoffs, playing on one leg, essentially. I just think those two guys are so focused that they're really going to pull the Edmonton Oilers along. I love the addition of Matias Ekholm. Obviously, I think he's done a great job on the back end for them and made their team better. For me, going back to Keith's point, I think that's the only thing that's going to hinder the Winnipeg Jets is can they play a physical playoff-type mm. game. Grind you.
Yeah, I think out of those two teams, Edmonton Oilers for sure. Ekholm should make it a little bit easier for Skinner and Campbell to see pucks and play a little better defense in front of them. But you're right, Cass. You can't count out Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. The way they make players better and the fact that McDavid this year is looking for a shot too, mm-hmm. that's almost like trading for a sniper. Yeah, the only thing I would say about the Jets, if Hellebuck gets hot, they can steal some series. You, you know, I mean, point, the yeah. hot goalie comes out and you know you never know what's going to happen. But obviously when you have guys like McDavid and Draisaitl and now home nurse uh they're both i think they both could do some damage the west isn't as deep as the east so uh it, it could be a dogfight i for think them, you wouldn't so. like hellebuck because he's american <laughs> and, and well, I can true. tell you, it's uh, David Riddick and net tonight for the Jets. Could be a lot of goal scoring in both these games. You have two of the top three goal scorers in McDavid and Tage Thompson. And you have the top two scoring defensemen as well in Josh Morrissey. And yes, Eric Carlson. Should be a fun night on Rogers Monday Night Hockey, Tim. Ah, a little Josh Norrissey action on Rogers Monday Night Hockey. Thank Morrissey you, David and the entire crew. Morrissey, Morrissey for Norrissey. Got it back. Call him Josh Norrissey. Uh, here we go. Saves the confusion. The rest, the rest of game time. The Flames are in Dallas looking to snap a five-game losing streak after getting shut out by the Wild 3-0 on Saturday. Daryl Sutter shaking up the lines with Jacob Peltier moving to the top line and Nick Ritchie making his Flames debut. Here's the enigmatic Sutter on the changes. You got guys you're counting on just to produce some offense that aren't even that aren't even getting scoring chances, barely. And it's not so much scoring chances; it's ozone time and possession game. So, uh, you know, you look at Naz and Lindy's line have really struggled with that the last two games. So, uh, you know, they need to bump it up again. Is that kind of part of maybe making a couple of changes? Here? Yeah, for, for sure it is. I think that that uh, um, Jacobs played good wherever we put him. Right, so it's up to you know, quite honestly, it's up to those veteran guys to take a step with their game. That's you know, that's that's their calling card. So do it. Pretty amazing how quickly Elche has won the favor of his head coach. Uh, do you think the Flames can turn this this ship around? Because Is that pretty rich? Little rich. Yeah, yeah. little rich. Little yeah. rich. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. Special players make special plays in special days. Mm-hmm. The, the Calgary Flames need their special players to be special players. Did you know that? Jonathan Uberdo has less points than Brock Besser does this year. Like, think of what's going on with Brock Besser in Vancouver and what was said at the deadline and what they were going to do with Brock Besser and how much money they were going to have to retain in order to trade Brock Besser. And then just lay that out there. He has one more point on the season than Jonathan Uberdo. They need more from their top guys and Jacob Markstrom is part of that. They got something from Markstrom over the weekend, and that's what made it even tougher for Calgary fans to digest, is they got a decent performance from Markstrom and they couldn't score. So figure it out, or it's going to be a lot of changes in Calgary this offseason. Yeah, they got to figure it out with Uberdo. Figureitout.com. The Oilers getting set to face the Sabres on Rogers Monday Night Hockey, and Tim, uh, per NHL stats, Connor McDavid has more points since the All-Star break than... 77% 77 of the percent of the league's players all season. Let me repeat. There's more points since the All-Star break than 77% of all players this season. It's time to play Superstat or meaningless numbers. It's a Superstat. Triple A player playing Double A, except it's the NHL. Yeah, this he's playing against the best players on planet Earth. Yeah. And he's still able to do what you just said was since the All-Star break, 77% of the league That's right. isn't scoring at the same click. It's like, you're a triple-A player, I'm a double-A player, yet we make it work. That does it for us. <laughs>
send it back to David Amber and the crew. Enjoy the game, everyone.